Hey there, welcome to the Girl Go Global podcast, where faith and works are empowered. With every episode, we're embracing our multi-layered lives with faith, know-how, and grit. I'm your host, Dr. Jasmine, and I'm ready to go global with you. Let's get started. Welcome to the Girl Go Global podcast, where faith and works are empowered. I'm Dr. Jasmine, and I'm so excited that you decided to join me today. This is the space where we join our faith and our works to live out our courageous lives. So if you are not a part of the Girl Go Global community, this is the place to be. If you are looking to step into your power and fulfill the destiny and purpose you have in life with faith, know-how, and grit, sis, this is the place. So join us each week as we talk to dynamic women who are living out all of the things, y'all. So thank you so much for listening. And so let's jump right into this episode because I have with me a very, 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 very special guest who I am really, really honored to have to speak to and have a great conversation with. I have with me Miss Michelle Johnson. She is an accomplished operational strategist, franchise consultant, and serial entrepreneur with over two decades of expertise in scaling, strategy, profitability, and growth in the franchise sector. Her mission is to help business owners turn their ventures into thriving franchise models. She is a sought-after speaker, philanthropist, and mentor. Michelle, would you please introduce yourself to the Girl Go Global community? Oh, wow. Thank you so much for that warm introduction. I am delighted to be a part of the Girl Go Global podcast. Thank you so much, Dr. Jasmine, for having me. Thank you um, um, to all of your listeners for just tuning in. And my prayer is that you will pull from this at least one nugget that you can go implement immediately that will change the trajectory of where you are headed in life and with purpose. Oh my, let me tell y'all, if you do not have your pen, your notepad, your iPad in front of you, now is the time to go get it. I'll give you a minute because Michelle is full of gems, y'all. If you are a business owner, you are needing some support in life and anything in between, she I'm sure she's going to be led by God to share some of the nuggets that she has in her on her heart for you today on wherever you are listening. So let's jump into this conversation. I want to just say, I know a lot about you, Michelle, but one thing I do know is that you are full of faith. You are full of faith in Jesus Christ and you live out loud wherever you are, whether it be in the professional world or any place else, you live out loud your faith. Tell us about the duality of bringing your faith into business and even the corporate sector. Um, what a wonderful question, right? Because um, I remember, especially as I was in the corporate world, and then when I first started in business, it was trying to figure out how to segment my life so that I showed up in one way in one place and showed up in a different way. And in fact, it's interesting um, for me because the month of October will be 10 years since I launched one of my first brands and um, um, since I had one of my first conferences. That conference was called Water Walker, Water Walker. Mm. And the conference was a combination of business 
business, entrepreneurship, how to grow, how to scale, but it left in everything that we know that we learn through faith and through tenacity. Um, and I was so determined that I was going to launch this business conference, but make sure God was included in mm. it. And I can tell you, in fact, one of my um, photographers sent me my first flyer today. And when I looked at that, I thought, wow, 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 wow. That was a scary time for me um, because I thought people will not show up if I'm talking about God and combining that with business, like my own mindset, right? And that's sometimes what happens is we trick ourselves out of the greatest promises of life because of our own mindset. So I had to renew my own mindset to say, no, no, no. Um, there is a tribe of individuals who are very interested in learning how to navigate corporate sector, entrepreneurship, business growth, while also being very connected and open about their faith and about their love for Jesus. And so um, that was for me an overcoming moment. I will say that we had great ticket sales on that first conference. We unapologetically talked about faith and God and combined it with strategic direction, tactical planning um, for businesses to grow. So they left with meat and meat. Oh, <laughs> oh I love that. <laughs> Um, and, and so that's, that's what I started doing. Right. And I realized that, um, it's a very real, um, topic. You don't have to segment, mm. um, you can actually show up. And for many, it is because of my faith, my tenacity, my push, it is because of, and I'll never forget. I had a young lady who was on um, a team that I was consulting with. And she said, I, uh, she um, reached a, a next level, one of her milestones, huge milestones. She reached that milestone and she thanked me as she was receiving an award for it and said, I know it was because of her belief in me. Mm. And for me, that was um, so important because when I bring my faith into the marketplace, I'm bringing my belief into the marketplace to let somebody know, uh-uh, you can do this. You don't have to, no, mm -mm, we won't take the negative road. We won't take the uh, the why you can't and the shouldn'ts and all, mm. all of that stuff. We're going to embrace the possibility that comes with the faith and the belief. Oh my goodness. I love that. Bringing your faith into the marketplace, bringing your belief into the marketplace. And literally it sounds like that client or that person that you were consulting felt like uh, you will them or help to, be, you know, believed in them so much. So they were able to accomplish what they set out to do. And that's so dope. I love that. I also love, the fact that your conference was full of faith, right? And so often it seems as if that, you know, we as Christians, it seems like we have to bring part of ourselves, right? Into our these different spaces, bring part of ourselves to work 
in, in corporate, bring part of ourselves to business. But if we show up authentically as who we are, we're going to attract those people that are for us, especially as business owners. You're going to ex- you're going to attract those like minded people. And I love that you're doing that. So how has that served you with your clientele? You said you've been in business for over two decades. You've continued. You, you managed to bridge the gap between faith, business and corporate. Um, how has that served you? Have you found that there has been any resistance um, to that? Because, you know, a lot of women are afraid to show that side of themselves. Um, I have found more embracing um, than resistance. I have found um, more. And, and I think when you resolve to just be authentically yourself, so it's not that I'm putting something on, but I'm in a particular crowd or in a particular audience. I literally show up as Michelda and all of what that brings to the table. So it, it's Michelda, the business owner. It's Michelda, um, pastor of Marketplace Ministry. It's Michelda um, that used to own um, an incredible franchise business. It's it's all of that. So um, it, it and because of the authenticity, I believe um, it draws people closer um, because it allows me to just be who I am. So sometimes they, um, especially clients and folks that I work with, they lovingly. <laughs> and I'm doing air quotes here. They <laughs> lovingly say, "Uh oh, she's about to snatch our edges, or she's about to go in, watch her, or uh oh, that's Michelle with her preacher voice, right?" Yes. I don't know where all that comes from. I just know that my passion and my authenticity in what I do, I, I love entrepreneurship. It shines through, and I think it draws those individuals who are looking for a similar experience, who are looking for an authentic experience, for someone to truly care about their journey and for someone to be passionate enough to tell them truthfully, this is what you need to do to grow your business and to create a sustainable sustainable business operation. Love that, love that. So Michelle, the entrepreneur, is a guru in the space of the franchise ownership business or, or realm, if you will, for lack of a better term. Tell us about your journey there. You know, that's a that hasn't been a topic that we've discussed on the podcast. So I think that there may be some folks who may be interested. I recently had a conversation with a, at least two people who said, thinking about going into a franchise. So tell us about your journey and then any tips, tools, or strategies that you have um, to share with them. Um, wow. Yes. So it's interesting because, um, um, there are, you know, t- sometimes when we talk franchising, it can also be licensing. It can also mm. be distributorship. Mm. And I didn't realize so many moons ago, and I won't, I won't tell my age. And so that I won't put a, I won't put a year on it. Um, <laughs> but I had an HR consulting practice. And when I sold the licensing or the, the licensure um, to a, a large fortune um, 100 company, um, I didn't realize that I was literally stepping into number one, generational wealth, right? Because you, you build something for me to be able to sell so that it creates a a lasting legacy. Um, but not only that, um, um, so, so that was kind of my first foray into something other than traditional, um, entrepreneurship, right? 
building something and being able to sell it um, and or license it. Um, but, you know, I was in the process. I was I'm living in Atlanta um, at the time, and this was early 2000s. And I needed to move back to my hometown of Huntsville, Alabama. My mother was going through some sickness and I needed to be home. And my HR consulting practice, I traveled a lot. Mm. And a friend of mine said, have you checked out edible arrangements? Well, I'd never heard of edible arrangements. This was before, you know, edible arrangements became a household name. Um, at this point, they were only advertising in print magazine on, you know, better homes and gardens and, and places like that. And so um, long story short, I became a franchisee and purchased the first edible arrangements franchise in the state of Alabama, and then subsequently owned a store in Nashville, Tennessee. Wow. Um, I then, after seven years, sold those to an HBCU um, as a part of their mission to help their students gain um, exper experiential knowledge in this small business ownership and um, franchising. Um, so that's how I, I, I started in it, right, was owning this edible arrangement store. I learned so much over the seven and a half years or so um, that I owned the business. Um, and so now as a passion for me, um, I do two things um, as it relates to that. Number one, I help those companies that have um, really amazing brands, whether it's the sandwich shop on the corner, the ice cream parlor. I've got, you know, I've got several clients that we're working with in different phases of the process, but many don't realize that the fastest way to scale is to create a franchise model, right? Because what you do then is if you've got the systems and the operational structure in place um, and, and it's something that can be replicated in any corner, in any city or state in the nation, right? You create this opportunity where now someone can come in, purchase literally your system, because that's what you're purchasing when you uh, buy into a franchise, purchase that system, open it up and scale it, right? And then somebody else does it and somebody else does it. And before you know it, your brand, which was just on one street or one corner or in one place doing one thing is now, listen, global. It's nationwide. And so I have so many that try to expand by opening their own, you know, um, restaurant and then they'll mm. open multiple locations, not realizing that sometimes the fastest way to scale um, is through fr now franchising is not for everyone. So I always want to say that. Um, you've got to make sure that you've got a business that is ripe for franchising. Um, I do have a um, franchise readiness guide that I provide to my clients um, just to make sure they have a business model that is duplicatable. And then we go in and help them pull those systems together. The second sector is helping match a potential individual. And I'm always careful about saying individual and not entrepreneur, because you don't necessarily have to be an entrepreneur to own a franchise. And in fact, most franchise owners, they were not entrepreneurs. They were literally moms, pops, 
um, retirees, veterans. Um, they were individuals who wanted um, to have some sort of business ownership without having to think through how do I start all the things, right? And so a part of it is helping match these franchisees, these potential, these individuals to a franchise model that fits with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what do I mean by that? Right. So here's what I mean. Like um, if you the 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 requirements from one franchise to the next are different. Um, For example, I hear people, they love Chick-fil-A and love the Chick-fil-A franchise. I love the brand. I could never be a franchisee, A, because it requires mandatory that you work in the location. And so some people want to buy a franchise and have a level of freedom, whereas you won't get that if you are. So you've got to really understand what's a match for me. And for the lifestyle that I desire, for the requirements that the franchisor has in place, and what does that look like? But here's a good example. Um, Roark Capital, major organization, they're venture capitalists, um, um, worth billions of dollars, right? They just bought, they own Focus and Inspire Brands, and um, you know, you recognize them as... Um, Auntie Annie's and yeah. uh, Dunkin' Donuts and you know places like that. So they just bought for about nine point six billion dollars. They just bought Subway. Really? Now here's yes, it's so fascinating for me, right? Because here's the thing with Subway. Subway started in 1965 as a sandwich shop on a corner in Connecticut. That's it. One sandwich shop. And um, a a friend of mine was chatting with me the other day who is friends with um, the owners, the family that started Subway. Um, He's friends with um, the daughter. And she said that when they opened the second location, they were fighting tooth and nail, struggling not to lose the first location. Mm. I did a um I did something recently. I was sitting on the staircase and I made this analogy that everybody starts at the bottom of the rung. And we cannot number 1 despise our small beginnings and number 2 we can't be envious of where others are because we've basically all started at this bottom of the rung. And it's up to us and our process and how we manage that process, the things that we do, what we say yes to, what we say no to, that really helps us build and grow. So imagine they are about to lose their first store. And instead of folding and saying enough, they decide we're going to continue. And not only are we going to continue, we're going to double down and go and go open the second store. Mm. And now, so many years later, $9.6 billion. Ma, ma, ma. I, do? Listen, <laughs> you do the math. Um, I can't. I don't think I, I'm not even that good. I'm a writer, you know that. <laughs> but I would figure it out if I had it, you know what I mean? 
Right. Like that just blows my mind that they go from about to close to $9.6 billion. My goodness. Look at God. L listen, look at God. Oh my goodness. I love all of this. One of the things that I heard you say, and, and I will um, just before I jump into that, so many years ago, I, my first job was at McDonald's. And then when I went to college, when I was in college, they started with the Chick-fil-A. And so I was like, who wants chicken on, with a pickle? I mean, who really wants that, right? And then it just became a thing, right? Many, many years later after I graduated. And, but I was telling someone, I was giving, like literally giving somebody an idea. And I was like, you should try to um, franchise. You got all this space on your, you got this, you own this parking lot. You got all these properties around. Certainly one of your locations will be ripe for a Chick-fil-A, right? Or mm -hmm. at least looking into at the time because the investment, I looked it up even for myself and it was like $50,000. I said, I, I can come up with that kind of capital. Mm -hmm. You know? And, I, and, and I'm sitting here giving the person the, the advice for them and I could have been looking into it for myself. And then at that time, I was in my 20s and, you know, I had some excess money uh, and I said, dang, you know, I kind of shoot myself in the foot because at least I had the time and capacity to be in the store, if that makes sense. Yes. You know, my life is different now, but I think I think at that time it wasn't it was so many years you had to perform in the store before you kind of got a manager or someone. But I'm not sure what the criterion is now. But, you know, I look back and I was like, dang. I, and now my prayer is, Lord, don't let me miss it. Don't let me mm -hmm. miss my opportunity for something that could, like you said, change the the lifespan and generational wealth for my my family. Um, so I love what you're saying. And I also love the fact that you had the foresight and maybe insight or even that recommendation. You took somebody's recommendation and they told you to look into edible arrangements and you looked into it after having so sold your own organization. So how about that? So I think so many people always think they need to start from scratch, right? They need to start from the bottom yeah and certainly you can start from the bottom but you can start from the bottom with something that something or something that already has systems in place that you don't have to figure out exactly and that is I mean that's what makes the difference right is starting with those systems in place you don't have to figure it out now I won't tell you that there weren't some things I had to figure out obviously oh. there were but um, I have to figure out how to put fruit on a stick and make it steady <laughs> and make it pretty. Right. I didn't have to figure out what marketing collateral should I use that would actually uh, attract the attention of uh, potential customers to get them through the door to get them to, to buy. I didn't have to figure out, oh, what arrangement should I, what creative arrangement should I make today? Here's the thing, right? And I think it's, and I'm going to, I'm going to get in trouble if I say this and I'm still going to say it and um, just listen, don't give out my email address because I don't want the hate email. Um, here's what I'm going to say, right? Is sometimes, um, and, and there's so many caveats to this. Um, Lamar Tyler is one of my uh, mentors and his favorite answer to some to questions are uh, you know is it it be depending. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna preface what I'm saying by you know it really just depends, right? But here's what I want to say. Um, sometimes we mix up business and uh, how can I say this? I want to say this right. 
let me say, let me just use myself as an example. Like I always have people to say, um, you have to have been so creative to do edible arrangements. Mm. And they say it as if that was purpose for me. Mm. And it wasn't. Mm. And so sometimes people will look at things uh, and, and from a business standpoint, will skip over the thing that will bring them the revenue that will pay for their purpose. Mm, say that again. I, I think you got to say that again. I, I, I'm trying to say it in the right way, right? I, sometimes we will skip over um, the revenue generating idea because it doesn't feel like purpose, mm -hmm. but not realizing that it can pay for my purpose. So let me give you, let me give you an example. Um, I, I'll just use this as an example. Let's say my, this is what I've seen business owners do. And then I'll go back to why I'm saying this with edible arrangements. What I've seen business owners do, right? Or potential is, oh my God, my faith is to serve the, oh, I, I won't get in trouble with anybody. My faith is to serve, my, my purpose is to serve um, the, community of single women who have been battered or something like that. I'll just say that, right? Battered mm -hmm. single women. Mm -hmm. And so they'll say, that's my purpose. That is what I know God has me, wants me to do. Da, 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 da. So they'll create a business to for that community. And nine times out of 10, that community cannot afford the services that you offer so that you have a sustained business and then they are so you, you see what I i'm saying it. i got it yeah you got it so got we'll it. we'll say this is what this is what i want to this is my purpose and we'll create something for that and then we want to sell it to them for ten thousand dollars i ain't got no problem with your pricing or anything like that but you've got to make sure that your avatar can actually afford the service. So why not buy a franchise, an edible arrangements, a pizza hut, uh, 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 whatever, right? Make the money and then have a retreat that's free because you can afford to pay for it. How about it? And fly sponsored your by. sponsored by your and business. Your business, right off. And, listen, and 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 host and fly first class all of your beautiful women who you want to serve as a part of your purpose to this event at no cost, and be able to freely pour into them without having to tax them. And, and, and I'm like, I believe in people paying for stuff and all that or stuff. So I hope you get what I'm saying, right? I hope definitely this, get it. Definitely. I hope this makes sense, right? That's that's my business model. So I have my business, JLM Global Consultant. I don't have a franchise, but that is something I'm thinking about 
you know, not right now, but I have thought about it across my mind ever since I had missed the opportunity for Chick-fil-A. Uh, <laughs> but that's my business model, my, my, my writing, training business, communications firm funds my efforts with Girl Go Global, which I intend to over time do a lot more than I'm doing now. And until it gets to the place where it can operate on its own. But but right now I am funding the thing that's my passion project, if that makes sense. Even though the other side is too. That makes, listen. So when people say, oh my God, you were so crazy. You have to have been so crazy. No, making an edible arrangement for me was like making a car. Like you put the, you put the pineapple on, you add, like it was, it was making a car. It was a system that I could follow that I knew if somebody ordered this, here's my process for how to make it. If they order this, this is my process for how to make it, right? And and it just went on and on and on. And I didn't have to think about it. But what I could think about was what my margins were. And Mm. I knew that that chocolate dipped strawberry that cost y'all 12 $12 only cost me a dollar. Right. So I knew that. And so it was the margins that were attractive to me that I could see. This is how I can make money. I love it. And so, so many times I see people that say, no, but I got to pursue my purpose and I'm not against pursuing your purpose, but I want you to always be clear on Sometimes how you make your money is not the same and it as uh, pursuing your purpose. Sometimes you can make your money and you've got a niche where you are just a bad girl in doing X, Y, Z. And you take for granted that you can do this and produce this at this level because you do it so effortlessly and it brings in the dough, the cash, Mm -hmm. the bag for you. Let that bring in the bag and let it finance your purpose. I love that. I think sometimes as business owners, we don't always pivot to address what the market is saying at the time, you know. What does your avatar, what is, what is your avatar looking for? What, what is your target audience looking for? And then do that. Even if to some degree, that's not a passion at the moment, but you can't sell something that people don't want. You can't, not at all, not at all. And you can't sell something to an avatar who can't afford it. So now both of y'all out here struggling. Uh, How about about that? Both of y'all out here. So then when you talk about marketplace and faith and God, like God will birth these things in you and he will give you the strategy to know how to accelerate and expand in the things, in the talents, in the gifts. So, I, you know, I just always say, I'm just like the person that was given multiple talents. And it's up to me to flip those talents and to bring in excess for the kingdom. Oh, I, I, you preaching. I'm trying not to. I'm trying to preach it because I love that kind of kingdom talk. I'm trying not to, right? But I got to flip what I got. 
Because if I'm not, girl, you got to make me go in. If I'm not flipping what I got, then I'm doing a disservice mm -hmm. to my daddy who put this gift on the inside on. of me. He entrusted me Mm -hmm. to be able to do this and this and that and that. So I got to know how to flip it and give him a return on his investment. Girl, we are, and I'm just using girl because that's the name of the thing. Girl, we are an investment into the kingdom. Come on, and so I as know. an investment, we got to know how to flip that investment and provide our daddy with a return on that investment. Oh my God. Mm. Mm. That that is speaks to my soul because that's what I want to do at this point. In the, somebody asked me, I don't know when it was, maybe a year or so ago, maybe a little bit more. You know, what do you want to do? What are you? What, what are you? What are you passionate about? What do you, I said? Everything I set out to do when you say I, I when when I grow up, I want to do this. I have done. At, mm -hmm. I have done in my early forties. Having said that, this next phase of my life is all about kingdom. Generating yes. revenue so that way I can fund the kingdom. Kingdom of devils that the Lord puts on my hands to do. Whether it's serving women through the Girl Go Global community, whether it's doing mission work in Africa, whether it's just being able to give out of my abundance. I have tapped into, I wrote a blog that's coming out. Uh, if you are on my mailing list, join visit www.girlgoglobal.com to join and subscribe because I wrote a blog that's coming out later this month talked about the frequency of abundance mm. and I talk about how that frequency has to do with giving and giving back into the to the kingdom right and the more we give the more we receive if you want more love you give more love if you want more money you give more money you find that place that good seed that place of abundance, good ground, if you will, in order to receive more. You want happiness. You show happiness. You be happy. You ask the Lord to show you. If you want more peace, you talk to the God of peace. So my thing is, I love what you're saying, and you are hitting home with me, and I got my praise hands up. And if you don't, in the Girl Go Global community, uh, get it together. Because this is the frequency, right, of kingdom building. We're not put on this earth. For nothing, we're not put on this earth just to make money for ourselves. My um, my husband always says because he's also in business that you you might have a a, a hundred million dollar business or uh you may might be might be making six figures or the upper six figures in your business, but that's not enough. That's not enough to fund the kingdom. That's not enough um to fund the generational wealth for your children, your and your grandchildren, and and so forth and so on, in order for them to be able to carry the mantle. So I love what you're saying. Mm. I love it. I love it. And I'm right there with you. And I agree. Everything wholeheartedly. And that's so powerful, right? To carry the mantle. Um, and sometimes carrying the mantle. So sometimes what we do is we'll build a business. And because, you know, I have people to ask me, why, why did you sell? Like, why didn't you keep it? Like, what do, do you regret selling? And so sometimes what happens is we want to keep it forever. Um, we got to know, because uh, in a lot of cases, our kids don't want our businesses. Uh, they right. want, they want the freedom of what the proceeds from our businesses can give them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, and then setting it up so that they can carry the mantle of that. Yeah. And God may have something else at their hands to do. Not everyone's going to step in. Not every, you know, one of our children are going to step into our businesses. Some people will, some people won't. Yeah. But yeah. I, one of the things I heard my husband say recently is sometimes um, those children who um, don't want to carry the legacy of their parents' uh, businesses, for whatever reason, sometimes it's because they watch their parents uh, work so hard in a business that they didn't even be able to enjoy the fruits of their labor. So they're like, well, I ain't trying to work that hard. Well, I ain't trying to, you know, struggle in that way. I'm trying to live a different type of lifestyle. So sometimes it's that case. You know, they don't want to step into some of the same challenges that they saw the, their parent face, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, as I was raising my kids, um, I went through a divorce just as I was uh, really starting my business. And um, one of the things that kept me pushing, you know, was these um, these two girls, these four eyeballs looking at me um, every single day. Mama, you know, and, and they never asked because they just knew mama was going to make sure they had food, clothes, you know, cheerleading, soccer, all the things that they did as a part of school. But we had a motto in our household and they understood that Um, this was as I was growing my HR consulting practice. And we went through some periods of feast or famine. Right. Mm. And um, but we had a motto in the household um, that was short term sacrifice for long term gain. Mm. And whenever we were going through a phase where it was like, okay, you know, yeah, we don't, we, 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 mama don't know, but we, but we got it. Um, They understood when I would say that phrase, short-term sacrifice, long-term gain, that meant we're we're not eating out this week. We're cooking at home. Uh, Mm -hmm. We we may not have extras that you go always have what you need, but we may not have extras. And so um, quick story as I was going through one of those phases um, with this particular business early, early on. So this was many moons ago. Um, I remember um, I was doing a lot of government contracting then B2B clients, and it was around October. And I had the clients that were in my pipeline, my, my contracts were ending um, the end of December into the early part of January. And I didn't really have anything lined up for the next year. And I was plowing. Okay, God, I got, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to fill the pipeline, fill the pipeline. And nothing was biting. And I remember walking around my office and almost wringing my hands like, I'm thinking about, because I, I was good for the rest of the year, but I started thinking about Christmas and after the, so I'm I'm way four months ahead in my mind thinking through how am I going to, you know, what are we going to do? What's next? What's next? And the Lord um, reminded me of um, Matthew 6 and 33. And it was, um, I have, I will give you what you need today. Mm. So you're worried about, three to four. And like, literally I felt convicted because it was, you know, I could almost, you know, God and I have this interesting dialogue and, and I could hear him saying, you you got food today? Uh, y- yes, sir. You, you got clothes? You, you and your kids, you got clothes? Uh, yes. You, you got a roof over your head. You got lights, you got gas in your car. Nothing's been repossessed. Nothing's even close to being like, what are we talking about? Why, why are we having this conversation? 
And I was, and I started feeling like, okay, you know, (laughs) you listen, I I said, give us this day, our daily bread. And I'm going to give you today Mm. what you need. And then tomorrow I'm going to make sure you have what you need. And then the next day. So you're worrying about something three to four months down the road and we're not there yet. Mm. Trust me in this moment Mm -mm. for this day and know that I got you. And like that was the, that didn't mean I stopped my sales efforts or feeling, but I took a different approach because sometimes when we are fighting in our minds about what the next looks like, mm. our posture doesn't show up as a posture of faith. And I'm a believer that if my posture is, if, if I'm defeated in my mind, my posture is going to show defeat. And I just believe my potential clients see that. And they like, no, I don't want to do business with somebody who operating in defeat. And it was literally when I began to, to recognize that and, and change my posture and my attitude about business and who I am in the kingdom. Because it had nothing to do with who I was. as a, It was all about who I was in the kingdom and a promise that I had from him that if I stepped out of that boat, he would sustain me and allow me to continue walking on water. Mm. And so I couldn't lose sight of that. Or I would end up like Peter sinking Because I started looking at everything around me without, with, and losing focus on literally the voice that said, come. And so I changed my posture. Long story short, and I won't go through the details because that was a miracle in and of itself, but long story short, I had applied for a contract with the U.S. Postal Service back in like the June, July of that year, they called me the week before Christmas and said, can you get to Tampa the week after Christmas? We want to invite you to a session. I debated going, ended up going, ended up passing the exams and all of this stuff to be a certified EEO investigator, federal investigator, Um, They selected uh, about 50 something individuals. I was one of only two who were non-attorneys. And then the week after I returned home, they had emailed me 15 cases to, um, to do investigations on. And each case was $2,000 per case, which was 30,000. And they had more, they were like, as soon as you get started on these, not when you finish them, as soon as you get started, we got 15 more to send you and 15 more to send you. Look at God. I love, oh my God, we're going to be preaching each other all night because literally I was talking to uh, one of my cousins over the weekend and I think I feel like the Lord had me to reach out to her and we were talking in some kind of way we started talking about 
how sometimes we can idolize our future so much so that we forget that our now is still good. Mm. So worried about what the future holds that you forget that the now is a still a good place. And there's so much goodness there. But sometimes we don't live in our moments to hear God, seek God, and enjoy God or mm-hmm. enjoy what he's given us in the moment that we forget. And we're so worried about what's to come when the now, your now is still good. That still is so place. good. That I'm is gonna write a blog so and I might do a, a podcast on that, but th- you are in my notes, in my thoughts, you know, so this this is this has to be confirmation for somebody. Your now is still good. This is so good. Oh my goodness. This is such a good conversation. I am speaking to Miss Michelle De Johnson. She is a guru in the space of franchising. She is a guru when it comes to business. She knows all the things and she does it all with faith, know-how, and grit. She has shared so many gems with us that I can't even like. I can't even write down notes myself to to keep up with it all. If you're listening, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. But I just have a few more questions for you. And then we're going to wrap it up. And hopefully you'll join me again another time. All of that. You said you got a divorce. You said you run a business. You, you raised two girls. Tell me about the personal life of the single CEO. Is there anything left for the single CEO? I know you started a brand and you launched some um, activity around that that concept back during the pandemic. What's going on with the single CEO? Tell us all about it. How do you bring in uh, what's going on with your love life or your personal life into all those great things you're doing in business? It's it's certainly been interesting. Um, single CEO started um, because... I, uh, I, I get these moments of inspiration and I literally, um, just had, um, just a, it was like back to back to back sayings of, you know, what, uh, of expectations and thoughts around being a single CEO and what that looks like and meeting, um, uh, meeting uh, potential suitors and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. And so I started posting it one Saturday on um, fo- Facebook. And as every thought would hit me, I'd post it and I'd hashtag single CEO. And it just caught on. And so I made all of those into a journal um, that I absolutely love. Um, I still have and do um, some um, comp, uh, some engagements, speaking engagements uh, centered around the single CEO. One of the things that I am um, that's in the works, we haven't announced dates or anything, but I'm really looking to do a retreat for mm. executive single women. Oh my God. And yes, yeah. And, and let's, we might as well just say executive single women of faith mm. um, uh, to really just wrap up again, all of the things that are um, a part of who I am and really have a time of refreshing, a time of transparency, a time of um, just to refuel um, because, you know, as a single CEO, 
Um, one of the one of the challenges I had to overcome very early on was not having someone to share my wins with. Mm. Right. I can find a number of people to complain with and to share my disappointments. But for me, I wanted to be able to come home and share my wins with someone, someone who understood the struggle of the growth and the process and the refiner's fire um, to understand the uh, gazillion no's that I got before I opened Edible Arrangements. Someone that would understand that I opened a franchise without bank financing and sold it and didn't owe anybody anything mm. and could help me celebrate that, right? And so for me, it was uh, it was fighting through areas of loneliness. And it wasn't just, it was loneliness for the companionship of being able to be um, transparent um, with someone who understood the struggle. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really passionate about that. Um, and realizing that sometimes so many beautiful women have accomplished such amazing things. They are top in their field, in their organization, in their corporate environment. They're the first multimillionaires in their family. They're the first to do so many things. And when you reach that level, there are very few people who understand the struggle of where you are, the challenges to be where you are and understand how to overcome and still be authentic and available to the world. Um, And um, so that's where we are with the single CEO, um, really wanting to pull that together and just find that group of women to um, share and build and help them create something amazing. Mm. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. That's amazing. I love that concept. I don't, I don't hear many people doing anything like that, um, that I'm familiar with anyway. So that's awesome. 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 I love what you've shared in that space. So if you could leave one word of encouragement for a global girl who is pursuing her passion with persistence, what would you say? What would that one word be? Do not quit. Mm. And when I say don't quit, I'm, I'm always reminded of when Peter stepped out of the boat and in my own vision, in my own words, Um, I see the rest of the disciples, the rest of his friends, the rest of his homeboys, they're sitting right there in the boat watching. And not one of them said, let me follow. Let me, they sat, I I don't have, I, I, I haven't found yet an account of anybody else who stepped out of the boat. And so sometimes, um, As amazing women, um, we are doing things that we've not seen anyone around us do, not up close and personal. And we don't realize sometimes that when you are a trendsetter, when you are setting the mold, when you are paving the path, when you are creating 
um, and constructing the path for someone else to follow. Like when you're the first to do certain, like you are literally, I could just think of somebody, I just, this visual of someone literally clearing the brush Mm. in a forest so that a road can be built, right? So that a pathway can be built. And so when you are doing those things, you've got to find a couple of things, right? You've got to find space to rest, but not quit. You've got to find space to know how to relieve yourself of the pressure, but know how to keep going in the pressure. Mm. Um, For me, it's, 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 it's prayer. It's worship. Um, I'm a golfer. I love to go play golf. Um, and sometimes it's just hitting that ball down the fairway because I'm competing with myself. Um, and, and so that would be my thing is don't quit whatever you do, do not quit and become a lifelong learner. Don't stop learning. Realize that every single day you have to become a better version of yourself than you were yesterday. And the only way that you do that is that you take the good, the bad, and the ugly. The failures are not failures. They are learning opportunities, right? The successes, all of the things, you take all of that and you pull it together and you you learn from every step and every process and you keep going. Mm, love that. And, yeah. Oh, and, and, and that's it, right? You just don't quit. Mm. Don't quit. So when I say, what does it mean for girls to go global? What would you say? Um, For me, it means as I'm, um, and I love it, right? Because I'm in the middle of opening a call center in Belize. Mm. And um, I, I listen, you have the opportunity um, to expand um, beyond your locale. And the first way that you do that is go global in your mindset. Love it. You have to have a global mindset. That means that literally for me, no limitations. That's what go global means. It means stripping off the limitations and the boundaries of, of a city line or a state line or a country line, right? And saying there are no limit and no limits to what I can accomplish, to what I can achieve. Um, I I am literally without borders and I can accomplish anything that I set my mind to. Mm. Wow. We didn't get into the call center and Belize, but we just going to go. We just going to go. We just going to drop that nugget there. We just going to drop it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So if people want to get in touch with you or connect with you, Michelle, how can they do that? My website is Michelle, my name, M-I-C-H-E-L-D-A, MichelleDaJohnson.com. There you have it. There's 
you, you see the value she has to offer. So if you're looking to connect in any way, please reach out because I love the connection that I have forged, been able to forge with you. And I'm grateful for it because you want to be in the spaces of like-minded people. And so without further ado, we're going to wrap up this podcast. So this has been the Girl Go Global podcast where faith and works are empowered. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to go global.